0: This is The Frontier of Finance, the podcast that covers the hottest new funds and important milestones of marquee funds in Canada. On The Frontier, we go directly to the source, interviewing portfolio managers, executives, and sales leaders at the top asset management firms. Stay on top of the latest innovations, react to market trends, and make better investment decisions for your clients. I'm your host, James Rockwood, and I'm welcoming you to The Frontier of Finance. It's an interesting time to be chatting about investment funds especially during today's market volatility today we'll be speaking to this volatility and also introducing some new etfs available to canadian investors we're going to hear from a now veteran guest on our show and take a look at how this tried and true investment vehicle is differentiating itself among the growing variety of asset classes today i'd like to give a warm welcome back to jonathan needham Jonathan is the VP of ETF Distribution at TD Asset Management. You may have caught him on our show last season speaking about health and tech ETFs, so you could say he's a bit of an expert on the subject. With over 20 years of experience, Jonathan works with the wholesaling and national accounts teams to focus on TD's ETFs offerings. Jonathan, thanks for joining us again. Jonathan, welcome to the Frontier. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. Since we last spoke in season one, the global economic outlook has changed significantly. And so what trends are being tracked by your team right now? Yeah,
1: James, you're right. Definitely a very different environment today than it was when we last spoke. So what are we tracking? Uh, Certainly tracking high inflation, um, rising rates, slowing corporate profits, uh, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, slowing growth in China, Uh, And the list goes on. I mean, last week in particular suggested investors, which includes us here at TD Asset Management, uh, we're watching that that investors are becoming concerned over the resiliency of the U.S. consumer uh, and how spending habits are starting to change and change quickly. So add that to the list when I think, you know, that's that's quite a long list uh, that we're trying to deal with at the moment. Usually, I think we say the market can only deal with one issue at a time. Uh, So we've got multiple going on at the moment. So everyone's mind is all over the place. uh, Certainly adding a lot of volatility to the market and, of course, a lot of downside volatility that we've been experiencing so far in 2022.
0: That's obviously a ton of factors. How would you compare that to March 2020 when sort of COVID was coming out? And if we think of the number of pots on the boil, so to speak, or the number of issues that are facing the industry right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if we compare it to 2020, we really had one thing on the top of our mind, and, and that was the pandemic and you know, how fast and how long and what kind of an impact. With this would occur as a result and and how do we address it and address it quickly and i think obviously we saw the federal governments around the globe address it quickly and, and provide liquidity and provide backstops and provide tons of money for folks which then drove demand and drove consumer consumption and so on and so forth and so i think you know obviously it was a big deal and i think a lot of levers were pulled in order to ensure that we didn't go into a recession of course some of those levers resulted in some asset bubbles or at least high inflationary pressures on a a lot of things, including housing and energy and so on and so forth. And so the challenge I think today is we've still got pandemic along with all those other long list of items and of course now we've got the fed as opposed to creating liquidity and pouring money into the system they're taking it out of the system and they're raising rates quickly in order to you know try to slow down inflation so i I think it's it's a tough environment to to, to say the least i think the the good news is uh the fed now seems to, to be suggesting That they will squash inflation at any cost, which is certainly going to put near-term growth into question and may mean that things get a little bumpier um, and a little bumpier on the way down from here. But the fact that the Fed is taking this decisive action, which should help ease inflationary pressures and then should, uh, should help set up the economy for stable growth going forward. So it's messy today may be messy for a little longer, but I think, you know, whether it's a a soft landing or not, uh, either way, the governments need to do something to deflate this inflation that we're feeling.
0: Yeah, really really what you're seeing right now is in the past two years is economists doing what uh, economists do and just the impact of some of the interventions that people can have in the economy. And I think probably compared to 2008, at least at the moment, doesn't seem like there's any sort of systemic issues uh, underlying all of it it's just a lot of factors of you you've got this huge impact with the pandemic and then you have corrective measures that need to be taken and then those create new implications and then you have to continue to correct until hopefully we get through the pandemic and everything can be back to a relative normal whatever that means these days
1: <laughs> that's right yeah and i think the the question right now is is um you know can the Fed react in such a way that will create a soft landing or do they overdo it and drive us into a recession? And if so, how long and how deep? And so I think that's the challenge. I think, you know, for our advisors and our investors, you know, we, we will just remind them, you know, during during times like this, uh, you know, many of us have been taught that staying the course is, is the best course of action because most market corrections are unpredictable. And then obviously, as we all know, the key to success is, is not time timing the market, but put time in the market. And so I think, you know, things are being done to, to stabilize things, which should help growth. But we are in obviously a pretty turbulent with lots of things going on. And so we got to be cognizant of that uh, while try, still trying to keep our, our investors on track.
0: I think it's also going to be really interesting to see how a lot of new products that we've been covering to in the frontier are going to perform. I think one of the predominant trends that we've seen and what makes this area so interesting right now, and I think unprecedented has been asset managers creating ways for investors to access new asset classes and giving exposure to new types of products, whether it's private debt or if it's crypto or things that aren't necessarily so tied to public companies and public markets. And in that vein, I mean... Do you think there's any shine coming off of ETFs, or are they old news now? Um, you know, why is it important for an investor to consider an ETF as part of their portfolio?
1: Yeah, I mean, thanks, James. Of course, I'm a little biased, you know, being <laughs> the lead of ETFs and ETF distribution and TD Asset Management. But uh, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer in ETF as the vehicle. Really, it's just a, you know a technology that's allowed us to to reach the masses and, and bring products that will hopefully help Canadians uh, achieve their goals uh, and certainly you know do so in a more prudent. And efficient way and so you know there's there's you know earlier today i was talking about the role of real assets and a couple of etfs we have on our platform tgre and tinf which obviously are navigating this environment a little bit better than than other strategies particularly infrastructure right which has got you know secured cash flow consistent cash flow that are tied to cpi so on and so forth and so there's a one example of i think the importance of new product development you know Actively manage real asset products that are going to benefit it in an inflationary environment. I think that the second thing is is to consider here is the the relevance of an ETF. Uh, in my view, today is more important than ever, uh, mainly because of diversification. Now I know this word gets used a lot in this industry and for good reason, but I think particularly this year it really stands out. There's been a significantly high dispersion of returns, uh, particularly in individual stocks. I mean, just look at the technology space as an example, right? The the broad-based market down close to 30%, um, but a lot of those underlying holdings, more than 60% of the underlying holdings of, call it the most broad-based index that we track, the NASDAQ, uh, are down over 60. And a lot of single stocks are down 90%. And so diversification has been a significant uh, help uh, to investors that are owning etFs which own a broad basket of securities so I think diversification first and foremost is why I think uh, you know etfs are an appropriate solution to allow investors to avoid that concentration risk i think secondly you know transparency you know the holdings the methodology you know what you own why you own it and what role it plays in the portfolio um, and we've even seen it this year from our asset allocation committee the move to quality companies and the quality dividend paying uh, ETFs like two I'll talk about today are enhanced dividend strategies and factor ETFs like low vol which are actually providing positive returns this year they're doing what they're meant to do in a highly volatile market and so another benefit of an ETF structure is your ability to have that uh, adaptability and trading flexibility in in capturing you know whether it's quality value low vol energy and financials in order to shift your portfolio appropriately as the market shifts Uh, Of course, the other benefit of an ETF is most folks still think of it as a passive investment vehicle. Um, But what we're going to talk about even more today is is active solutions in an ETF vehicle. And so it allows you to outsource, right, whether it's to an index methodology that you think is prudent for the exposure you're looking for, or to outsource it to an active manager that can shift in the market environment that we're seeing. And of course, you've got low costs relative to traditional mutual fund structure, uh, and you've got Tax benefits, right? You got lower turnover, uh, you got the transfer in kind process. And in other cases, and I'll hope to promote this a little bit today is our enhanced dividend strategies, uh, which use an options overlay strategy, which if I were to do that on my own is going to create an income. But when I outsource it to our managers here at TD and in a mutual fund wrapper, it provides capital gains. So not only are you getting a sophisticated strategy that's providing more income than the market would provide some downside protection, but in a more tax efficient way. And so I think uh, ETFs are here to stay uh, and I think they're growing. Although my one caution would be, you know, I used to say there's an app for that. Now I can say there's an ETF for that, um, and so my caution to most advisors or investors is really know what's under the hood and what you're buying, because uh, there tends to be a lot of niche strategies that are you know proliferating in the ETF landscape today, which also tend to be a little bit too concentrated, and so diversification uh, to me is is really important.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really uh, great defense of 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 ETFs, and why, why they're here to stay, they're still um, they're still hot. And I think that there's still a, a lot of awesome opportunity for for investors and it's a great investment vehicle. It's interesting. Like one of the things we've seen in that part on the your your note there, sorry, comment on the different strategies and the sort of niche views and POVs that some of these ETFs are covering it is important because I think as as well as we're seeing this explosion in Access to new asset classes, new ETFs uh, being spun up with new indices. It's really important for both the asset managers and the asset management industry to show how each product's different to the advisor and the investor, and then for the advisor to be able to then articulate that information easily to a customer. And I think that's a big part of what we're looking to do uh, with the frontiers to give people an opportunity to learn more about specific products products that are new, marquee products that are hitting, hitting these milestones. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I think it's going to bring a new challenge, a new set of challenges for the asset management industry to really find ways to better tell the story, make the connectivity for the client and the advisor with the investment product to really allow someone to understand what they're getting themselves into and to have the confidence in that, which I think is going to be a new challenge uh, in and of itself.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, James. I think this is a, you know, another example of of the value of advice and, you know, advisors are earning their keep and they and they're worth their keep particularly when we're seeing the the type of environment we're seeing. You know, we saw a massive growth of the do-it-yourself investors uh, over the last couple of years and a lot of them are not doing so well. Um, in fact, I saw a study couple of weeks back in the U.S. that said the majority, I think it was something like 70% of, of the DI investors south of the border uh, that accumulate a lot of wealth in the last two years have been entirely wiped out of that growth because of that concentration, because not understanding what they're getting and from not putting it into the context of how does it fit within my portfolio relative to my financial plan. And so I think that you know the value of advice, as you know, I've always believed in it. Uh, I always stand behind that guidance, um, the behavioral coaching and, and sticking to the plan. I think it's it's more important now than ever.
0: That's awesome. And then, and then to, to talk a bit more about the, the TD Active Global Enhanced Dividend ETF. So, so as we've talked about in the Frontier, it's covered two things. Brand new products, which we've covered a few uh, new ETFs from TDAM in the last season, which we appreciate. And then marquee funds hitting milestones. And so one such marquee fund that's hitting its three-year milestone is the TD Active Global Enhanced Dividend ETF. Why was this ETF created? And can you tell us a little bit about the investment philosophy behind it?
1: Yeah, certainly. I I think, you know, I really appreciate that. I mean, we've been in market now, as you just mentioned, kind of three years in May, uh, very, very strong track record. And let's start with, you know, why we created the the global enhanced dividend strategy. I think, you know, first and foremost, it, it was to solve a problem for Canadians. The problem at the time was low yields, still fairly low, better today than they were, but low yields, challenge to find dividends, and more importantly, dividends that were sustainable and growing over time. And so Canadians were, were struggling with an erosion of purchasing power, um, which has been accelerated today with the way inflation is. And so we know that Canadians desire and need income, but we felt that they weren't getting it in the most prudent and appropriate way. They were getting income, but at the expense of growth. And so we wanted to design a product that would give them both income and growth at the same time to solve that conundrum, if you will, that we saw in the marketplace. I think the second thing and the reason why we we launched and, and designed the uh, TD Global Enhanced Dividend Strategy the way in which we did was really to prove to improve upon uh, what existed in the market today for Canadian investors. Most of the options overlay strategies, they're called covered call strategies for the most part in the Canadian marketplace. They're systematic strategies that provide solid income, but at the expense of growth. And so we thought that we could be active both in the stock picking uh, and in the options overlay in order to provide a better outcome and a better experience for clients. And so we wanted to make sure that we were enhancing the income almost double the broad market, but at the same time participating in the growth of the market. And so that's the backdrop to it uh, was essentially one to solve a problem and two to improve upon what we thought was an inferior product set that existed in the Canadian marketplace three years ago.
0: If I'm an advisor, um, who's this fund for and how should I try to position it to my client?
1: I mean, long story short, it is clients who sink in- income, seek income uh, and growth. Um, it's, it's really a core holding um, you know, keep in mind the, the ETF is a basket of, of blue chip stocks. Um, so, with solid balance sheets, strong free cash flow, and really that have, I'll say, you know, the wind in their sails when it comes to long term secular trends. If I were to really summarize the way in which the enhanced dividend strategy is, is designed, it, it, it's really three pillars. Uh, we pick the stocks, we write the calls. Uh, and we aim to turn stocks that don't pay dividends into dividend payers. So we try to maximize the yield on cash and get paid to buy stocks that we like. And we're trying to do that essentially every day. So that's kind of our wash, rinse, repeat cycle. We're really looking for those secular winners, cash compounders, uh, whether or not they pay a dividend. Uh, now, having said that, you know, if you looked historically at, at the fund, we could be upwards of 30% non-dividend payers. Uh, today, You know, we're around Six, seven percent. There's really just two names. So we're really focused on the quality and the the secular growth of those firms, as well as the cash flow they generate and their ability to increase that cash flow.
0: As somebody looking for and a client looking for income, if you're putting this into a portfolio, how would you want to use this? What would it pair well with?
1: Yeah, thanks, James. I think, you know, it it certainly pairs well with a Canadian mandate, uh, of course, because this one's global in nature. So for Canadians that need exposure outside of Canada, which we would argue all do, it it would pair well with with your Canadian equity exposure. Uh, It certainly pairs well also with a small mid-cap mandate, um, as this is your blue-chip a uh, quality anchor of a portfolio. So you're going to want to complement that with, call it a, a US small mid cap mandate as an example. I would argue it, it pairs really well with, with real assets. So that infrastructure and real estate strategies, uh, again, that are going to be lower volatility, uh, strong cash flows, a good way to diversify a portfolio. And then, you know, the one thing that a lot of investors are missing today is it also pairs well with commodities, you know, certain different commodity strategies uh, as a part of the portfolio, which, again, are also going to help hedge against inflation. And so really, when I you know, sum up where this really fits, it's your core anchor. I mean, it's, it's the blue chip component of your portfolio. So it should be the core component of, of your global equity basket.
0: And how much of that's going to be in U.S. versus sort of truly global Yeah, it's it's
1: very similar to kind of the global market cap weight. So you're you're going to count on call it fifty to seventy percent in in U.S. equities, uh, with the remainder thirty percent outside of the U.S.
0: So hitting its three year mark, how has the TD Active Global Enhanced Dividend ETF performed? And are there any differences in performance trends compared to some of the other ETFs on TDM shelf?
1: Yeah, I mean overall we're we're very pleased. Um, I say overall on a on a three year basis because we've got lots to be proud of there. Year to date i mean well there, there's been nowhere to be to hide in this market if you're an equity investor you know maybe cash and energy of which we have some energy names but but not more broadly um, but again we're we're faring very well relative to the benchmark and and, and relative to our competitors. And to be quite frank, I really like the way the portfolio is positioned today, uh, high quality secular growers, co- cash compounders. Um, but some numbers to highlight for you, James, and for the audience today. I think uh, first I uh, take a step back and, and look back for the year 2020. And I did some math on the TD Global Enhanced Dividend Bench Strategy, enhanced dividend strategy versus the benchmark, and the upside and count and downside capture, because that's what our advisors like to look at. And uh, we we did really well. I mean, in 2020, you know, we we captured 79% of the downside. So, you know, if you got a a beta 0.79, that's pretty good. And we also captured 101% of the upside. That's where active managers, um, and in our case Ben Gossick, the PM who runs this strategy, has really uh, done a great job of a uh, providing an income stream that's almost double the broad market, while still capturing the entire upside. Which is again, you know, not what our competitors do with a systematic approach. And we still manage to protect on the downside. So I think I think that's pretty compelling. And then the the second numbers um, we'll talk about is is on a three year basis. Um, you know, we have a annualized compound rate of return of 9.31%. Now, this was as of last week. Actually, today is actually positive despite the, the market turbulence. But you know, a 9.31% three-year compounded annual rate of return relative to our competitors, which are sitting at around 5.65%. So we're almost 400 basis points of alpha relative to our competitors and even relative to the benchmark uh, and many of you know I, I am a believer in passive within a portfolio as well um, the benchmark performed 7.69 percent over that same period so again you're, you're talking over 150 basis points of additional outperformance net of all fees and so I think um, you know a very compelling story better downside protection outperformance relative to the benchmark and our peers uh, while at the same time creating an income stream that's uh, almost double what you could get in the benchmark Um, Now, obviously, compared to other TDM, TD asset management ETFs, um, you know, we added value relative to our passive strategies. We solved for those problems that we uh, set out to solve for, which was providing income uh, while uh, achieving uh, growth and capturing market upside. So I think uh, I think for us, it's been a testament uh, to why we wanted to bring a a suite of products to the marketplace that included passive, uh, quantitative, and active, and obviously, all of those play a part within a portfolio. And we're very pleased with Ben and his team and how they've performed relative to bench and relative to peers as we hit our three-year anniversary uh, this month.
0: That's awesome, and I think too that 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 discussion on up up down capture is a great way for advisors to help dispel the "every ETF is passive" uh, mentality. And I think uh, a lot of uh, clients might feel, just given away a lot of them were marketed or spoken about. In um, the last few years, being able to chat, chat a little bit, and, and differentiate passive versus active, and talking about how to marry them together, I think is helpful. And so that's a great way to just be able to explain it to a client in a way I think can make a lot of a lot of sense to them.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, this, you know, if you looked at kind of the holdings, you know, in details and some of your clients will, some of the advisors on the line will afterwards, I hope um, you'll see, you know, you know, a year ago relative today um, looks different. We've got more defensive names in there than we had. We have some energy names in there. We still have and believe in in some of the tech uh, companies, the cash compounders that people are not quite understanding their future cash flow uh, opportunities as we think we are. And so I think what that shows you is Active can, A, add value, uh, and navigate these very challenging markets, and, and B, when you can capture all the upside in what was a very bull, bull market that we saw after all the infusion of capital happened, while still obviously navigating and protecting on the downside and clipping higher coupons, if you will, uh, I'd say that's a pretty good testament to active. Uh, it doesn't hurt that in the ETF wrapper, it's 65 basis points, so obviously a lower cost than than a lot of the traditional uh, uh, fun strategies out there. And so uh, I'd say a lot of advantages for having an active manager in an ETF wrapper as a result.
0: How are advisors going to be able to use both this fund and also potentially try to get some clients excited about investing in such a um, turbulent market right now? And so how, how can an advisor use, use this product to grow their business, but then also sort of more broadly, what's the argument for, for investing at this moment when you're seeing a lot of volatility?
1: Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think, you know, from uh, advisors growing their business perspective, obviously, you know, a strategy like this will help attract and retain clients that, that, that need both income and growth, right? We know we've solved for a very significant challenge that Canadians have, I think the other way in which the strategy gets used is is really to be confident that you're protecting your clients' assets from from permanent loss of capital. Uh, we've seen that this year, right? Some individual stocks down 90, 95 percent. Some bellwethers too that that are very familiar names uh, in the marketplace. And so, you know, we've seen our fair share of that destruction of permanent capital. Uh, that's not going to happen in a diversified basket of blue chips. And so, I think. You know, a that helps uh, mitigate the downside risk to an advisor's practice. Obviously, helps mitigate the downside risk of revenue um, relative to other strategies. And so, I think that's uh, that that's very important. I, I think the other story that you know advisors can tell their clients is, um, you know, that yeah, there's a place for, for passive instruments, but there certainly is a place for an active strategy that can navigate this challenging environment and this ever fast changing environment. Right, like. If you think two years ago, obviously, the secular trends for travel. Well, that ended abruptly. And so you didn't want to be in the travel companies until recently again. And you'll you'll see some names added to our portfolio there because that's a long-term secular trend that broke briefly, uh, but is now back on track. And so if you just owned a broad market you would experience the down, the brokenness, and then the up, but in a very violent way versus being able to navigate that uh, prudently in an active strategy. Uh, now, why investors want to invest today? I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to lie that the blunt challenge today is uh, whenever you enter a bear market, I think on average, bear markets are, you know, you're going to see the broad markets down 35%. And so we're only down 20 today. So there could be more to come. There may not. Um, Obviously, things are fast moving. It's really tough to tell. Um, But what I will tell you is when you've hit a bear market at any point in time in history, whether you're down 20, 30, or we get a little bit more to go, that's the best time to invest. There are a lot of high-quality names with uh, secular growth trends behind them that are, you know, cash cows, cash compounders um, that you're getting today at a discount. They've gone down the drain with a lot of the other names in in sympathy. And so if you have the ability to pick up those names at a very attractive price, which I would argue you do today, it's a great time to invest. And maybe you don't put all your money in today if you're sitting cash on the sidelines, but I would certainly be dollar cost averaging in uh, as we hit, you know, a bear market territory, which we continue to flirt with, uh, if not entered in uh, today as an example. And so uh, I'm confident to tell you that if you, you, you know, as a new investor in particular, or an investor with some cash on the sidelines, you know, you, you're definitely going to want to start legging in uh, because, you know, after the bear market capitulates, uh, that's where we see uh, really, really strong returns, you know, on average kind of 40 plus percent. And so uh, now's probably a much better time to invest than it was in December, that's for sure
0: yeah, it's funny how quick things can change. And I also think too, as is, is people assess their goal and see the timeline of it, you know if you have a, a retirement goal and that retirement goal is 20 years off, um, you know the short term uh, impacts may not um, be uh, so important to you uh, for a, a goal that's you know you're going to have multiple bear, bear markets in a in a 20 year span of a portfolio or trying to get to another goal versus if you needed to buy a house tomorrow be a potentially different uh, risk uh, risk assessment. So yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And then I think you've talked about it a little bit, but it'd be great just to emphasize it more. I mean, we'd love to get your take on the long-term view on the market, just in, in general, how you're looking to navigate it going forward. Obviously, you're you're saying that a lot of products on sale right now, uh, to, to an extent. I love the going down the drain and sympathy comment was awesome. Yeah, if you could give us your thoughts on that, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, James. I mean, I think here, here's, here's the silver lining to the sell-off that's happened this year in, in both bonds and, and equities, right? And, and, and bonds in particular, what we haven't seen since the 50s, right? Nobody was expecting, I don't think many were expecting anyway, to see the aggregate bond market down 10%. And so the silver lining for our advisors and our investors out there is that the projected long-term returns on, say, a balanced portfolio are a heck of a lot better today than they were six months ago. Bonds are now yielding 3% to 4% versus 1% to 1.5%. Equities, albeit still not cheap, um, for all intents and purposes on a valuation perspective, are a whole lot more attractive than they were in December. And so what I would be confident in saying today is that um, even if you were to put a lump sum into a balanced portfolio today and call it 60-40, you're more likely going to get into that 5 to 8% rate of return expectations for the next decade, which I couldn't have said that you know, six months ago. And so um, I think you know, long, long term, the this, this silver lining is, is uh, stuff's cheaper, and therefore our return projections are, are much stronger than they were not too long ago. And I think the other silver lining here is, is let's be honest, it's been very punishing to be a saver. To be in deposits, to be in GICs, to to be in bonds uh, over the last number of years, it no longer is. And so I think, you know, you're going to continue to see rates rise, which is going to increase those coupons, which is going to increase the attractiveness of bonds. And so you know one thing I will will say today at, at TDS of management we would actually say now's a good time to be overweight fixed income now's probably a time to be reallocating some of that mummy money, money that you trimmed off of your uh, you know investment grade bonds um, and leg back in to those investment grade bonds which are now you know providing Uh, Or should provide the stability that they're meant to provide. Obviously, you've got a much higher uh, coupon and therefore an expected rate of return than we had six months ago. And so I guess that's my long uh, way of saying um, we're, uh, I'll say, uh, happier uh, with the longer term projected returns. I I think the other thing, you know, for advisors on the call that are maybe thinking, you know, where's TD Asset Management positioned? You know, relative to where we were, you know, 12 months ago, um, we're certainly you know overweight Canadian equities uh, relative to where we were. I think valuations are more attractive. Obviously, financials and energies are likely going to continue to do well. We have the stuff that people need, which is commodities. Commodities are a good inflation hedge. You know, we're overweight real assets, so real estate and infrastructure in particular um, that are obviously have long-term contractual contracts tied to inflation, which is obviously going to be a better. Uh, cushion and lower volatility in this type of market and then we're longer we're we're, we're overweight high quality companies with strong balance sheets with secular trends that have strong cash flows and that's really where our enhanced dividend strategies come into play and so i think uh, for me you know we're more constructive on this market it's much easier to put together a financial plan with those type of projections today uh, than it was you know uh, from our capital markets model uh, 12 months ago and so i think we need to remind investors the silver lining is future returns are going to be better than we had anticipated, not just uh, six to 12 months ago.
0: That's incredible. And I think as a last last piece, I'd love to know, does TDAMP have any new products on the horizon? Anything exciting to look forward to? Of course.
1: We we got to keep busy over here, James. Listen to our investors, listen to our asset managers, uh, listen to our advisor community on on what they're seeking out there. And so Before I tell you the exciting product that we've just filed for, I should first let you know that we actually also recently just launched U.S. dollar options for our global enhanced dividend ETF and our U.S. enhanced dividend ETF. And so uh, for those Canadians that are snowbirds, many of which they are, that have a lot of U.S. dollars, we now have a U.S. dollar option for them. So that's a little bit exciting. What's a little bit more exciting is we've actually just recently filed a prospectus and will be in market shortly with uh, a TD Global Carbon Credit index ETF. So a really attractive growing sector uh, provides portfolio diversification, allows one to participate in the energy transition economy, allows an investor to mitigate the impact of existing carbon exposure for the environmental in me. And so I think it's pretty exciting. That's one of many products to market, but I can talk about that one because we filed a prospectus and so it should be uh, launched in the coming uh, weeks or months, if you will. Um, So stay tuned on that.
0: That's amazing. Something else to cover soon. Uh, Always, uh, always good to hear new products coming down. And uh, look, we really appreciate it. Obviously, it's a uh, interesting time. It's a challenging time. And it's great to have you back and excited to have you back again.
1: Well, thanks, James. I appreciate you having me back again. And thanks to all the listeners today. Greatly appreciate your interest and your support. And, uh, you know, continue to do what you do well. Be that behavioral coach keep your clients engaged keep them on track uh, and remind them that uh, obviously the projections for future returns are still relatively strong particularly after this market
0: sell-off it's a challenging time for investors loss aversion is one of the strongest emotions and many clients will be experiencing this right now loss aversion leads many clients to suddenly pivot to a conservative course of action limiting growth potential for lower volatility. The key now is for advisors to educate their clients on this behavior, keep them calm, and reassure them to stay in the market. As Jonathan said, it's not about timing the market, it's the time in the market that's important. He also pointed out that a down market discounts otherwise great companies, essentially making them on sale. With clients sitting on record savings, there may be opportunities for those savers to set themselves up for reaping the rewards after this economic downturn. Once again, I'd like to thank Jonathan for continuing to come back on the show to offer up his expertise and insights on what the TDAM team is tracking today. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time on The Frontier.